Ready, Dave? That's so deep. <laughs> <laughs> that is deep, man. Yeah. That's like the show. We're deep. No, I meant you. The I'm podcast. deep. We're deep. We are in deep doo-doo. If we don't get to the show fast, this is the 50th episode. Can Five you, zero. Can you hear the youth in my voice? <laughs> I'm going to sound like a little boy until I'm very, very old. This is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. Number 50. For the 50th time, I am Jordan Cooper, and for the 48th time, Dave Dave was gone for those two episodes. (laughs) I was Larry for two episodes. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I think you were like, he was on his travels, his safari travels, looking for the ancient treasure of whatever all those old uh, things are. Of ancient treasureonia. And you know what? Those were our two best episodes, I have to say. I mean, no offense. Don't take it personally. It's just how it is. I will, and I choose to. Wow, Dave, 50. I guess... I'd love to reflect. Let's take a look back now. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a clip show. Here's episode one. Here's me making Dave laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Here's that time we got into a little trouble. And I think we'll all remember our famous guest star. John Linnell. Paul <laughs> Lind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and who's in the circle square? Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, wow. I didn't even have coffee and I'm this uh, excited. Stupid. Oh, excited. I would love to reflect, but we have a lot to get to, even though we're only... <laughs> We're only talking about one song, yeah. but in a way we're talking, going to be talking about a million songs because of all the research that I found about this song. There's just no damn time to look back. There's no. So let's look forward. Let's look forward. That's what they might episode be fifty-one always do. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye. This is a rare one. We're going to talk about one song, but that's because we got we have we needed time to squeeze in an exciting, awesome interview with the singer of "Oh Do Not Forsake Me," mm-hmm. Wilbur Polly. Yep. Talk to us. He sure did, Jordan. All about singing that song and all about his 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 career and his voice. His misadventures. His, the misadventures of Wilbur Polly. We won't give away all the stuff, but he surprised us with some of the stuff he's done that we didn't know. Yes. Uh, very exciting, very fun. He's funny. It's great. That'll be coming up after me and Dave. We're going to discuss the song a little. We're, we're going to have a little chat, folks. We're just going to have a casual chat with uh, pages with of research <laughs> that I've uh, prepared. But it's just a casual chat. We're doing this casually. So... Oh, Do Not Forsake Me. This is track, what is it? 10. Track 10. Didn't even have to look at the track list. It's a real 10 in a lot of ways. 10 out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10 song, but it's also like 10 is when an album gets in the double digits and this song's all about being old, right? Sure. He's a a thousand years old that starts with a one and a zero. True. It's kind of the perfect track 10 in in my view. What I said in the interview, spoiler alert, was it's like flipping the record over. Yeah. It's the transition from side A to side B. Oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friends. Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend all my darkest hours talking like this. For I am one thousand years old. Well, first of all, I, I always like to ask you, you like the song, what do you think? Let's, let's pretend we're babes in the woods <laughs> with, with <laughs> They Might Be Giants. You play the song, you're listening to John Henry, it comes yeah, on. Yeah. 
and you go. I mean, it's a shock, I think. Yeah. It's a departure. Yes. For sure. Um, I think it We works. thought we'd heard it all. You're right. I think it works with the flow of the album. I think yeah. if you put it out there as a single, <laughs> it's it's not quite a birdhouse <laughs> in your soul. Their worst selling single, I heard, <laughs> this song. <laughs> um, Except in Japan. The f- what did you think of this song as you were 14, 15-year-old Jordan? Were you... Were you into it <laughs> yeah um good interview dave <laughs> no i mean so in in that time when i was first getting into them in, I, I, they could do no wrong right sure i've never been more enthusiastic about like discovering an artist in my life it wasn't until they didn't do quote you know wrong until the new thing that they mm-hmm. put out while we were fans it wasn't until I had a, I, I didn't have a more discerning ear until I was like, oh, they're coming out with something next week. Let's I see hear what it. You mean. Right. As opposed to like, here's this treasure trove of things to collect of, of they wonders might be to behold. Yeah, like gotta catch them all, all yeah. the albums, singles. There wasn't anything where I'm like, oh, I wish I didn't get this. Right. That it's weird that the flip didn't happen, and I don't even know if it's a youth versus like growing old, like becoming from going 17 to 18 or whatever. But like, yeah, the old odometer turned over, huh? <laughs> you get more. I don't know, but um, so I love, you know, I just loved it. Yeah. The genre of it, which would almost be like Gre- Gregorian chant, uh, right. acapella, whatever you want to call it, it, it didn't throw me because it still, it's got a great melody, like all their songs. Mm-hmm. Like in my mind, it's just a great "They Might Be Giants" song because of the words and the melody, which is really yeah. all I mostly care about, really. Well, that's most of a song. Yeah. <laughs> Words like, no, and what I mean is like I could watch them just play acoustically for two hours and be happy. Right. I'm like, that's the words and that's the melody. Um, I love the rock and rocking out with a band, but in my mind, at least for them, for why I like them, yeah. it's like more just like the what's the foundation, which is the words and the melody. Where there's there's some yeah. bands where I'm like, oh, I just want to hear them jam on that song for like right. ten minutes, like the real static. It's, it's how their brains work, basically. Yeah, yeah. So I always like, I was always like, oh, it's catchy, it's great, got a great melody, and the words are interesting, and I don't understand them, yeah, yeah. and they're weird. So it's funny. I don't think it threw me. Uh, as much. And I think after a few listens, it was just like used to it, like in a way, like I, I have no memory of being like, what the, f- what, what? I have more memory of being that like that to like the don't let's start remix on like miscellaneous tea uh, okay. where I'm like, why is this on here? I don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. I had a little bit of that. What mm-hmm. the fuck? Yeah. But I quickly, you know, got used to it and the flow of the album, like I said. It's a soothing song. I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, it is a comedic song, but in, you're, what you're hearing is beautiful. Right. These men are beautiful. <laughs> it's like angels singing. It, it is. It is. It's 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 interesting that um, something like with that much like kind of ethereal, deep beauty is on a They Might Be Giants album. Right. Does it, does it sound kind of gay? <laughs> Am I being gay? No, you know. Something I mean? with such beauty could come from a mortal man. No, like it's it's like just it's something that any the whole way it's produced, the reverb is you know, I always want to see because I produce songs and mix stuff, you know, sometimes I'll be trying to choose a reverb for like forty five minutes for something. Yeah. Until I find the, the, always the go right Gregorian one. chant. <laughs> but I'm like, was that just easy for those? Like, oh yeah, this one, did they try a different they did try, oh, what is it like I without don't even reverb? know what they had back then. So yeah, I, I I've always like wondered about like the the approach to the song, we definitely get some insight with Wilbur coming up soon. He he takes, he, he you know, you get a sense of what the recording session was like. But the first, I think the first thing we should do officially, Dave, because I don't yes. care about your opinions anymore. 
it's time to get to the facts. <laughs> it's time to get to the real reason people tune into the show. Yeah. Cold, cold, hard, cold, facts. <laughs> cold, cold facts. Yes, cold, uh, cold and hard as a corpse. Yeah. So recently on the Tumblr, Flansburg said this about the the background behind the the song, like the writing of the song. All right, hit me. And I was really. Uh, I was flabbergasted. Now, was this you asking him again in secret? It wasn't me, okay. but it was get well timed, and I actually wondered. I was like, "Does someone? Did someone do this for my benefit?" It wasn't me. Um, <laughs> Flansburg said on the Tumblr, "As a little kid, aw, I grew, <laughs> just imagine it. I grew up around a lot of traditional folk music. There was a certain kind of very dramatic yet very austere way of presenting these traditional songs slash murder ballads." that you can hear in recordings by Ed McCurdy of the Weavers on his own, John Jacob Miles, Oscar Brand, and many other men and women who loomed large in that Cambridge folk scene, often with spare instrumentations or simply sung. I found that style very arresting and was really drawn to how direct and irreducible the presentation made the songs and the stories in them sound. Nothing to miss here. It also seemed extremely old-fashioned and kind of out of time. So, oh, do not forsake me, the song is really reflecting on that form. Hudson Shad brought a lot of extra color to it, and I really appreciate the otherness of it. I suppose many folks would find it unpersuasive or not fun enough for a band they expect to be poppy, but I am proud of it. Yeah, see, that last thing he says is like, to me, it is poppy because it's got a great mm-hmm. melody. It's like catchy, like Gregorian chants aren't uh, poppy. No. <laughs> and folk songs, a lot of them have the same melody. <laughs> Hmm. So they don't, I'm not to shit on an entire important genre of music. Four chords and the truth. That's right. But um, so let's backtrack to earlier in that quote. The murder ballad thing lit up a, lit up a light bulb in my okay. brain because I'm like, they might be giants. Murder ballad. Of course, this that's got to be an inspiration for them. Their songs are murder ballads. Yeah. You could practically call several of their albums you could they could be titled murder ballads so what's a murder ballad let's murder ballads begin in england and scotland and scandinavia i found an article when i was looking this up the murder ballad was the original true crime podcast Ugh. <laughs> and so it talks about how it originated instead of newspapers they were these kind of one sheets with like poems or lyrics about yeah. like what happened and the thing that jumped out to me look at them trying to be relevant <laughs> The thing thing that jumped out to me that I thought was funny was... Print is dead. Was there's a line in this article that goes, these were written to appeal to a wide range of people, some of whom couldn't read. And I'm like, oh, like articles these days. (laughs) Like BuzzFeed. Yeah. Um, Anyway, murder ballads were originally, you know, yeah, it's very like English, Irish, you know. A lot of these were real stories. Mm -hmm. And they weren't in the news because not everything made it to the news back then because there wasn't a lot of there wasn't 500 news channels yeah Maybe was there was about the revolutionary war <laughs> or something that's right all some of that boring shit yeah so people would hear things through the grapevine yeah and a lot of them would turn into songs did you watch the witcher no there's, actually i did not there's an annoying Sorry. Uh, no it's, it's okay there's an annoying side character i know that guy is hot that's right. He's a dish. There's a hot girl in it too, Dave. So maybe you, I don't care so much you about and that. Chrissy can both yeah. have fun watching it. <laughs> French. <laughs> um, there's an annoying side character who makes up songs about all the quests. Oh, great. <laughs> that, <laughs> the, and he follows him around. He's like the comic relief. He sings songs about like, and so the, oh I don't know if he's God. called the witcher. He's like, the witcher I would, fought the spider and, you know. I would turn it off right there. So murder ballads. Let, let's, let's go into some of the things that he named as some uh, artist's. 
and and there's a real great song. You're gonna, it's like going to be your new favorite song, Dave. But she hulks okay. <laughs> I gave it a six. A six out of a uh, hundred. <laughs> <laughs> out of ten. Okay. So he he mentions Ed McCurdy. So this is Ed McCurdy's most famous song. Actually, it's called "Last Night I Had the Strangest Dream," which I wondered that not to get too in a tangled web here. It was Frank Black referencing that mm. for his Powerpuff Girls soundtrack song right. that goes. I was like, I knew I heard last it. night I had the <laughs> strangest dream. Yeah, um, this Maybe. is different. This is an anti-war protest song. But uh, tell me, this doesn't sound remind you of "Oh Do Not Forsake Me"? Just the sound of it. Last night I had the strangest dream I'd ever dreamed before. I dreamed the world had all agreed to put an end to war. I dreamed I saw. It's got the same, like, uh, almost like tempo of the singing, like, yeah. and the deep voice. And uh, here's an actual murder ballad that Ed McCurdy uh, did, and I thought we should play one of his actual murder ballads. Oh, sailor, oh, sailor, come spare me my life. But out of his pocket, he took a pen knife. He stabbed her and ripped her and cut her in three. And he buried poor Mary beneath a green tree. Almost sounds like Wilbur Polly. Right, yeah. If Wilbur Polly was a minstrel in the 1600s. Yeah. So, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah Suddenly. That, that the, boisterous, uh, soulful kind of. And it's so focused singing. on the story you're right. telling. Like, here's a funny thing. Like, when you see a lot of bands live, you are not can't hear the lyrics <laughs> or you're not really thinking yes. about them. And when, when we play live, it, it's the audience is, like, not hearing the lyrics a lot. Absolutely. But one thing I liked about playing solo was it's very lyric driven. And one thing I liked, um, a couple times I was a guest on a comedy show. I was the musical guest. Remember when I was on SNL? Uh, Vaguely. <laughs> and, um, for some reason, uh, comedy audiences are just uh, trained to listen to every word because yeah. they're like been watching a comedy show stand up all night. They like a wordsmith. But anyway, so that's a murder ballad from Ed McCurdy. The next name Flansburg mentioned is John Jacob Niles. And by the way, I'm not going to go into who all these people are. They're all just folk. I should hope not. They're all like legendary folk people yeah. that I'm not an expert on. When I read that earlier today, I didn't know any of those names. I didn't either. I'm not, I know nothing about this genre, but I'm actually, I like the murder ballad because it's just like, I love yeah. horror movies. It's like, oh, it's yeah. just like if the article says true crime or whatever. Yeah. So I don't like true crime as much because it's like something's just too sad. <laughs> I don't um, like real crime. True crime makes me laugh too much. <laughs> yeah. I can't breathe from laughing. It's. <laughs> what you're gonna say mm -mm. dave censoring himself mm -mm. <laughs> wow dave canceled himself yeah <laughs> listen i'm maturing <laughs> i'm growing up <laughs> that's what the song's about kind yeah. of john jacob niles here's a song called the murdered brother how come all this blood on your own cold sleeve Little son, pray come tell me It is the blood of that skinny greyhound 
I don't like this one as much. <laughs> That's, it's kind of haunting, though. Yeah. I mean, it's got that reverb. It's giving me the spooky ookies. Yeah. Um, I've got, yeah, goose, goose pimples. Yeah. I hate when they call them that. It's goose bumps. <laughs> it is. Oh, one interesting thing about the, the murder ballad, the history of it, is in the, typical, in the very first early genre of murder ballads, it says, murderous women burned while murderous males hung. Why, mm. why is that, Dave? Witches? Enlighten me. Witches? <laughs> I guess, yeah, maybe it's connected to that. Witches? <laughs> witches were burned. Yeah. And the men who were accused, men were accused of being witches or aiding and abetting, and they were, they were like tortured. One was smashed to death by rocks. Aren't those warlocks? No, no. Well, they were, I didn't think a they were called witch that. A male witch is a warlock? I don't think they called them that during that time. Because, <laughs> well, we both went to Salem. Yeah, that's uh, right. I went to, to separately. Separately. We, we don't, don't do, do everything together, folks. <laughs> yeah. It's not like that. So tomorrow we're going to uh, go to the I'd D like to DMV, go to right? Salem again <laughs> with you, though. I would, too. I was actually looking at my photos from uh, Salem recently. But there is a guy who was murdered by the people, and they smat they put rocks on top of him. And the thing yeah. that haunted me from this uh, this, this museum mm -hmm. was like uh, animatronics. It was like Disney World, but like a nightmare. Um, I, I went there. I know what you're talking is about. He's like, it had his, the voice going like, more weight, because he refused to admit he's a witch. Wow. Yeah, it was like disturbing as hell. Baller. I always think about that, more weight. That's something uh, I don't want, yeah. <laughs> especially as I get older. You'd be like, less weight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I prefer less weight, <laughs> if it were me. So, uh, so anyway, we'll wait. I was talking about something else, but okay. The other person that Flansburg named... Oscar Brand, and yeah. he mostly did joke songs, and I had trouble finding audio of murder ballads he did, but this popped up, <laughs> and I'm like, if this isn't, like, one of, they might be Giant's favorite songs, someone's got to alert them to okay. it. I'm sure he, they know about this. Mm -hmm. Check out this song. This is Oscar Brand, one of the people Flansburg said inspired, Oh, Do Not Forsake Me. Have you ever thought as the hearse goes by, one of these days you are gonna die? The motor pool sends out a car, you're gone for a ride but you don't get far. As you watch the death wagon riding by, you don't know whether to laugh or cry. You wish it weren't, but you know it's true, the very next load may consist of you. The burial detail lowers you down The offices, they just stand around They shovel in dirt, they shovel in rocks They don't give a damn if they break the box How have they not covered this? <laughs> Is it too on the nose? Maybe. Okay, so I know this song you do. from that part. I didn't know any other part of it. My point being, Jesus, that guy inspired Oh Do Not Forsake Me, and probably, like, imagine Flansburg listening to that as a... I think it's an old recording. How many kids uh, were terrified of that song <laughs> growing up? I think I, I would love it as a kid. Yeah. I bet they would love that kind of thing, too. Now let's talk a bit about Hudson Chad. We get a lot of history from Wilbur, so I'm yeah. not going to go too into it. Wilbur Polly on bass. Peter Becker, bass baritone. Hugo Monday, baritone. Mark Bleak, tenor. William Douglas Vanis, tenor. And Michael Fennelly, piano. There's no piano in the song, so no. maybe he's not in the song. I'm not sure. I don't think. So they perform 
they perform Oh Do Not Forsake Me. Wilbur tells a story about how that happened, so I'll let him tell it. Yeah. But uh, I just want to give a little background on Hudson Shad. This is what the TMBW says, is that they've been called the heirs to Germany's famous comedian harmonist, which Wilbur talks a lot about. I just wanted to play Dave some context of what that is. The comedian harmonist. Please. It's kind of like Rockapella, but in the like 30s. Yeah, they were from the 1920s or something. They, I believe they had to escape from the Holocaust, uh, you know, when that That's was happening. Fair. And because I think some of them were Jewish. There's a whole in, uh, interesting history there. But um, I wanted to play some of their music. They delighted audiences back in the day with kind of, kind of it was a mix of classy and comical. There'd be silly silliness, silly antics, funny songs. Uh, there'd be like funny uh, choreography, which Hudson Shad do. And I watched a lot mm. of Hudson Shad video of them. There's a whole thing on YouTube of them at Joe's Pub in New York doing a whole show. Uh-huh. And it, it's pretty fun to watch if you are interested in that sort of thing or if you're curious about the background of uh, the song. So yeah, it'd be funny songs, but there'd be also classical stuff. And they would also do jazz standards. Mm-hmm. So yeah, more more beauty, more beautiful men. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful men. Oh, you know, there was there was something on the Comedian Harmonist uh, Wikipedia uh, entry that I found kind of like interesting and, and kind of uh, when in the context of the song says the hallmark of the comedian harmonist was its members' ability to blend their voices together so that the individual singers could appear and disappear back into the vocal texture. Yeah, I read that too. Really? I did. Wow. I did a little research. I can't believe it. Yeah, I do research. I just don't flaunt it (laughs) (laughs) like some people. So Hudson Shad kind of like took the took up the reins of that. I don't know if that was the yeah. plan, but it kind of happened, you know. And they did a lot of shows in Germany and a lot of shows. And then they kind of brought it, they modernized it in a sense because they did some newer songs. Like I read they did The Lion Sleeps Tonight yeah. and other stuff. I know that song. Here's like an example of Hudson Shad. Here's them doing a funny, uh, I, I, named, I named the file Classical Funny. So that should give you an idea. So let's hear what this is. Here's them doing a Duke Ellington cover, and I think they do fake the little trumpet parts. Whoa. Can you do that, Dave? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Distorting the. Why do they even need trumpet players? I know. Or you know. Call me. Then, <laughs> 
the same arrangement style as Oh Do Not Forsake Me with Wilbur yeah. in the lead and then the others coming in and out, fading in. I like how they little fade in their voice. Like, yeah. like it's it's like very, uh, it's like an instrument really. Like, I was going to say, they they're very in control of their instrument. The lyrics for Oh Do Not Forsake Me have always confounded me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never tried very hard to figure them out, but there's there's a lot of... I sure as hell haven't. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm closer now, though it's still, there's still a bit of a distance, right? I don't think I'll ever totally understand it. Isn't Um, it just a joke? Is it a joke? We talk about it, we we talk about it with Wilbur, so I won't go into that too much, but I think there's a lot of uh, references here, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of, there's a few specific sentences where I'm like, huh? Clues. Yeah. So first, let's talk about what, like, the the first line, let's just go line by line, and that'll be the guide. Okay. Oh, do not forsake me. First, we'll do half a line. We'll do half line by Whoa. half line. Oh, do not forsake me. So what to forsake, Dave, to abandon or give up, right? Give up on something. Wow, I've never heard that before. And, the you know, the usage, usage of O, yeah. it, it gives it like... Old timey. It's old timey, and it also reminds me of the old ballads and the poetry and yeah. sonnets or, or maybe even like the Irish ballads and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I mean, I don't know what the very, very specific reference might be, but it's definitely like the feeling of old timey. Right. It's O, not O-H. Yeah. Yeah, those idiots back then didn't know there was an H there. Those stupid assholes. <laughs> so, oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friend. Yeah. I never knew until I was today years old. Yeah. <laughs> I was today. <laughs> they should do a new version for Twitter. I was today years old when I found out that indolent means lazy mm-hmm. <laughs> or wanting to avoid activity or exertion. Yeah. Does that hit home with you? Sure. It's home with me. (laughs) Or there's a medical term where it means it's a disease causing little or no pain. So you'd be like, oh, Dave, you have uh, John's disease, but don't worry, it's indolent. I see. So you'll be fine. (laughs) <laughs> or you'll die painlessly. I don't know what. I guess I won't be fine. So I don't know if that if he was thinking of probably not the second. I, yeah, maybe not. So he's saying, "Do not abandon me, my lazy, <laughs> my lazy <laughs> friend." Well, it's not a good word. It, it's it has a negative connotation to say the least. And it's funny to we can all agree on that. Yes, and and it's also it's like a, a funny to be to you're asking someone for your friend to not abandon you and then you insult him <laughs> uh like that's like a weird like why would you do that the answer might surprise you do not forsake me though you know i must spend all my darkest hours talking like this for i am 1000 years old it's basically saying when you're wilbur Polly and your voice is that deep your friends are gonna abandon you i so it might be that I, i'm gonna take us through some of the possible i liked listening to his voice i do too the possible references, I think, might shine a light on what Flansburg is maybe satirizing or playing off of okay. or doing. Okay, and there's a few. So, oh, well, one thing I thought of, talking like this could mean two things. Don't point that little <laughs> hey, finger at me. It's average. <laughs> Don't point. Women have told me it's, it's an average size. <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> talking. <laughs> so, anyway, back to the topic at hand. Talking like this could mean the low voice 
or it could mean with the fancy words like extra savoir faire right. we were talking sure. about. In talking in the manner that he's talking. Yeah. So right. he's saying, don't abandon me for being like a fancy pants old yeah. guy who's like has maybe more uh, a classical style of speech. Or it could be that he has a funny <laughs> old voice. Yeah. One thing I thought of for I am 1000 years old is um, maybe what is this like? Is this a double meaning on like these murder ballads that are super old and mm. from hundreds of years ago? And is he is he kind of embodying the genre, the folk genre and being like this is the tra in a tradition of a something tale as old as time. Or well, the tales, but also like the 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 medium is like is he if Flansburg medium is old as time is Flansburg like kind of being like is the narrator embodying a musical genre? If that's a weird abstract uh, concept, <laughs> I don't know. But do you know what I mean? Yes. Like he's just <laughs> it's just bringing to mind like all these old these old yeah. things. <laughs> it could be more a metaphor. You're yeah. saying than it could yeah. be a vibe. Is he is Flansburg saying like don't don't abandon the thing, the, the, your, your roots <laughs> yeah. or the old ways, or is it a joke? So in 1992, there was a concert, a They Might Be Giants concert, in case, I, you're, I assumed. In case you're confused. Um, they had some banter about being a thousand years old. So this is pre, as far as we know, this is prior to the song being written. Gotcha. Let's listen to them, make some, make some jokey jokes. All right. And maybe, maybe this inspired Flansburg. Maybe. We want to thank everybody for coming to the show. We gotta go. You guys have been really great. This is the end of our 20 year long tour. We've been on the road for 20 years straight. Which makes us 1,000 years old today. Yeah, so there's Flansburg there making a joke about being 1,000 years old. That's definitively how the song. <laughs> came about maybe he had just written it so it was in sharp in his head maybe it's just a reoccurring joke he always said or maybe both the joke just and the song maybe. are referencing some of the things where we talked about already yeah. who knows nobody nobody i have to give credit where credit's due i never i almost never look at the interpretations yeah. on the wiki i still haven't but i refuse i was really curious what people would say about this song i don't know why Okay. But just literally as you were walking over, yeah. I was like, let me just sort through and pop on there were over. A, there were a few big things there that I'm like, holy shit, credit where credit's due. And they actually signed anonymously, so I can't give credit. But, wow. but whoever said these things. So one person mentioned that there's an Elvis album called I'm 10,000 Years Old. Huh. So we know. So the Flansburg's referenced Elvis before. Sure. Puppet Head. And obviously it's Guitar like, Man. Guitar Man. And it's like. Just Check out episode two, True Believers. Or our YouTube channel. Or our YouTube channel, clip. True Believers. The person on the wiki says, the I'm 10,000 years old title, uh, it would seem to indicate these are songs he grew up hearing or are outdated music from a previous generation. Well, that's kind of what you were saying. So that he has a song that's actually not on the album, though it's on the deluxe edition of the album, so it wasn't originally. He has a song called I Was Born About 10,000 Years Ago, and it is a cover, but I'll play the Elvis version first because this might be what Flansburg was familiar with. And I, this is all guessing, by the way. <laughs> I hope you realize that. I saw Pharaoh's daughter bring Moses from the water. I licked the guy that says it isn't so. I was born about 10,000 years ago. Ain't nothing in this world that I don't know. I go to the five, then go to the four. Now we're going back to the one. 
there's that. So it's yeah. and and here's the here's one of the more original versions. This is a very very old and a, in theme. This is a super old folk traditional song, and it had uh, different names. So here's the crazy thing. One of the first names it had, it, the song began, it's the song, uh, this is what I found online, is that it began in 1894 with the title, I'm a Highly Educated Man. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's kind of what this Oh Do Not Forsake Me narrator is going on about too. Yes, but and, it's not like it's not the first time they've used big words or college words. But he's singing yeah. about the big words, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like maybe it's, maybe well, a lot, we, it's funny. A lot of times we talk about these songs where like, is Flansburg like self-deprecating, mm. or reflecting on what he does, like with extra savoir faire or right. like uh, alienations for the rich. So I wonder if that, the fact that the song was originally called I'm a Highly Educated Man is interesting. Mm. Let's listen to some of the 19, this is a 1923 version of that Elvis song, just to put more context. The really old, old, old version. Okay. I was born about 4,000 years ago. There's nothing in this world that John don't know. I was with old way when he built that famous... It sounded like 4,000. I see your 4,000 and I raise you. So that's like one possible reference point, which blew my mind. Yeah. And it's like it's and now so... you've blown my mind. And it's funny because with John Henry... I started to think like, oh, they're not doing the thing as much where they're like taking old song titles mm-hmm. and or lyrics and changing things around. Or are they? But I'm like, maybe I'm just dumb and I don't didn't realize it. The other possible reference point, which someone on the wiki mentioned, which I couldn't believe, it's a Russian, it's an old Russian song called Do Not Reject Me in My Old Age. Mm-hmm. And I looked up on YouTube and I was like, oh my God, it sounds exactly like Do Not really? Forsake wow. Me. It's like uh, when I'm 64. Yeah. So this that's right. So Chesnikov did it. He took a passage from the Bible, Psalm 71 for, okay. our, for our Bible heads out there. Mm-hmm. He turned it into like this classical composition for a bass voice. And if you listen to the version, this is actually, this version I'm going to play is a recent version. It's like uh, Glenn Miller. He's a... He's a young man. I don't know. But he, this is post Oh Do Not Forsake Me recording. But it, it still sounds so much like Oh Do Not Forsake Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is Glenn Miller. Do not reject me in my old age. Ah, Glenn Miller. sounds just like oh do not yeah. forsake me um some of the lyrics or the whatever you call the, uh it, do not reject <laughs> those me weren't my, words <laughs> do not reject me in my in my old age when my strength is spent it's kind of like will you love me in december as you do in may a yeah. song john linnell covered or like what i said oh it says when do, i'm 64 wait, yeah but this is even crazier because the second yeah, line <laughs> says when my strength is spent do not forsake me yeah holy shit this is happening live on the air 
Mine's blown. I'm taking off my pants. Yeah. I'm too excited. For my enemies speak concerning me. put mine back on. <laughs> Dave's got to put them back on. For my enemies speak concerning me and those who lie in wait to ambush my soul. I relate to this guy. Everyone, <laughs> everyone's against me. Conspire You're to all against me. <laughs> conspire together and say God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him. It goes on it's from like the there. Story of Job. Oh my God! And it has the O, the yeah. big, the big O. Well, this is without what the it's H. About. Yeah, <laughs> it's got the big O. You got the O without the H. It's got the, it's got the big O. I don't even know what that means. Forsake me. It says. How do you have the H without the O? It says, Oh my God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste to help me. May those. This is why I'm not a preacher. I think I was going to say I don't think they really read it like that. Too, oh my God, it's too Jewy. Yeah, <laughs> don't forsake me. Hello. I would be a good rabbi though. <laughs> May those who dishonor my soul be put to shame and consumed. It's okay, people. We live in Queens. Yeah. <laughs> so we can say. It's not okay. What are you, Kanye West? Back to you. Yeah, I was almost <laughs> going to say something. Um, so are, are you catching what I'm putting down? Are you picking up Are you what picking I'm up down? What I, <laughs> yeah. This is crazy. I mean, this is, this is a, I feel so more uh, understanding. I mean, the thing is, we don't have this, in a, and the thing is, I almost don't want to know. Like, I don't want yeah. someone to go on the Tumblr and be like, is this the song you're referencing? Because it's like, it's too much. But I love, <laughs> okay. I love just living in the mystery and, and, but not just mystery, but with like a hint of like, oh shit, I think this is it. That's what I like about the podcast. That's what you like about David Lynch, I feel. Yeah, because he gives you, he's not so. Just a little lick. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he gives you enough where you're like, I think I know where the, what this is, but it's not quite enough to be Just like, a little and taste that's of the, meal, the end of that. But he doesn't give you the meal. Yeah. It's called intermittent fasting. Right. So yeah, that, that song sounds just like it, for God's sakes. Um, let's continue. <laughs> I'm angry. Um, let's continue with more lyrics. You're angry and you don't have your pants on. <laughs> this is, <laughs> that was what it says under my mugshot. Um <laughs> This is when it gets kind of funny. 1,000 years old. Sure, you think that's old. <laughs> I mean, that's funny oh. saying sure because he's putting in more modern yeah. kind of casual terminology because I don't think a lot of old hymns said sure, like, oh, sure. Look, <laughs> and Jesus said to them, Look sure. at Mr. Fancy Pants <laughs> over here. Um, sure, you think that's old, 1,000 years old, but what do you know? This is why the highly educated thing jumped out at me because this narrator is a little pompous mm -hmm. he's a bit arrogant he's this his his lazy friend <laughs> doesn't use big words maybe he's young hip hip you know with it i mean a lot of the flansburg typical themes not just on john henry but a lot of their work is in this song but obscured under a lot of things that kind of distract you the acapella singing mm -hmm. and stuff in my darkest hour i'm talking like this i wonder if in my darkest hour you know, I mean, it definitely puts a mood there, mm -hmm. but I'm like, is he depressed? Is he, this is a song yeah. of someone who's in a dark time. He's, he's not happy that he's a thousand years old. He's yeah. not happy maybe to be talking to this friend. Yeah, I mean, that could be playing on the joke too. Yeah. For sure. The second verse is, has a lot of things that confuse me and delight me. Yeah. These de wicked delights have wicked ends. Yep. That's it. <laughs> I think it's with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. Second verse Oh, some have forgotten the flower of speech. Pause there. We got to talk about this. Woo, woo, woo. The flower of speech. So I was Googling this. It pops, that phrase pops up in a few things. And I don't know if he's referencing a specific thing. 
And because the phrase popped up in a few things, I was trying to find the origin, and mm -hmm. I couldn't find anything about the origin of the phrase, though it goes back away. So there's... I assumed it was like a poetry thing. Yeah. Uh, I Didn't bother to look it up, of course. Just shooting from the hip. In uh, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man by James Joyce, chapter mm -hmm. six is called Flowers of Speech. Okay. And this is a book about, it's about an Irish guy finding his identity. Like, mm -hmm. by the end of the book, he's kind of disillusioned. He doesn't you just said he's Irish. <laughs> Isn't that his identity? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> By the end of the book, he's disillusioned. I, he doesn't believe in religion anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like a character study arc kind of book. So it's like, was he referencing that with Flower of Speech? Mm -hmm. Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man. One thing it said on about the, the themes in it on Wikipedia is that the narrator concludes that Ireland is too restricted to allow him to express himself fully as an artist. So he decides he'll have to leave and sets his mind on self-imposed exile. That also kind of hit like the song for me. Yeah. Because it's it does have a lonely feel, this song, you know? Well, he seems very monastic, you know, he seems like uh, alone in his monastery. Monastic. Yeah. <laughs> you're just you're doing the thing in the song. Look it up, people. I feel like it's impossible if Flansburg's literally referencing like 15 of the things we've talked <laughs> about all at once, because yeah. that would be like a insane level. Right. That'd be like Alan Moore level <laughs> of like, oh, this one panel has five hundred things in it. Yeah. But um Everything that I found, though, I was like, that reminds me of the song. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it just kind of worked that way. And maybe yeah. my brain is making those connections Probably. on purpose. It's like a placebo. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. Hey. There's a George Harrison song that says Flower of Speech, and I'll play that for you. When I'm 64. <laughs> the song is called The Answers at the End. Is that solo? It's a solo song. That's right. So he says, the speech of flowers excels the flowers of speech. I think he's saying, I'd rather be with sleeping in the flowers right. with all these pretty, uh, with nature than listen to people yak. Hmm. I mean, we, you know, his demeanor, he was antisocial, <laughs> quiet guy. Always saying yak. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if, I mean... I assume Flansburg knows all of the Beatles solo material inside and out. Uh, mm. But so maybe Without that's... you, within you. <laughs> Can't buy me love. <laughs> Maxwell Silverhammer. Oh. So uh, this maybe he got the phrase from George Harrison's song. I don't know. Do you know? No. If you know anything about this, email us at don'tletstartpodcast at gmail.com. Boy, let's, would I welcome that. Let's sort through it together. So that's one thing. There was a uh, 1927 essay that mentions flowers of speech that popped up in Google. And I actually thought this was really interesting. It was all about just how great words are. And Are they, though? <laughs> Use words, therefore, with... Oh, sorry. This essay is by Professor William Hookins. <laughs> I'm sure he would love that you said his name that way. Yeah. And he says, use words, therefore, with care and love. They are the gold coins that Shakespeare and the greats use to advantage. They are the flowers of speech, the only live things in the world of dead matter and which make common man so extraordinary. They revive music, love, health, beauty, pathos, pathos. 
<laughs> I think either one's they, okay. They are the nectar and ambrosia of the soul. They are worth having near, worth living with. They are the lifeblood of a master spirit and outlive us with fragrance and memory. There's an exclamation mark on it, so I had to say it like that. Do you think he thought of that off the top of his head? <laughs> this guy? Yeah, that's yeah. right. This guy's good with the words there. But so now let's talk about the, the lyric, though. Some have forgotten the flowers of speech. Yeah. I think with that, I th actually think that part of that essay may, maybe enlightens this a bit. He's this narrator is being like people forgotten how, how I don't know, eloquent, yeah. classy. I don't know, eloquent, <laughs> <laughs> beautiful, all that, the whole schmear. <laughs> and then this is he. He continues the um, flower metaphor or vis visuals, yeah. and walks through the garden. Right. Where I go to defend. I know we're like sl slicing up these uh, sentences into fragments because it's like a yeah, lot. You're to abstracting about. them too much. Maybe I am. But so is when he says walks through the garden, this yeah. is my idea. Now, a garden has many flowers. <laughs> is that where you're going to go with that? No, no. This occurred to me only today. He's saying if you, he, they, these people, I think he's these rubes. These uh -huh. unclassy people like his friend, his lazy friend. Gotcha. I think by walk through the garden, I think he means tramples the flowers mm. of speech. Like I think he's he's portraying a negative thing here. Gotcha. This is I could be wrong. Because what you could walk through a garden like, you know, yeah. gently and normally, like a like, yeah. a, like a human being. I disagree with you, but I'm it's as good a guess as any. But so he's saying some have some have forgotten it's great uh how great words can yeah. be Them and words. trample these beautiful yeah. flowers where where I am where I go to defend or maybe they the just concept. pass them by, you know, walk through or the garden yeah. without with little regard for these beautiful words. I feel like both are, are mine's a bit more aggressive. I feel like mine's better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm I feel like they'd like me and yeah. they wouldn't like you. But <laughs> probably. Um so where I go to defend misbegotten notions yeah. and you can hear the melody just from saying it. It's a almost like ASMR. misty colored <laughs> memories. <laughs> yeah. Misbegotten notions while talking like this for I am without zero. Okay, let's try to break this down. So misbegotten, Dave. Yeah. It's it means bad. badly conceived. <laughs> I'm reading this from Google. Good for you. From uh, politically biased Google, <laughs> badly conceived, designed or planned. So this is what he's saying. Let's 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 stitch it together oh God. like the Chucky doll. Mm -hmm. Some some forgotten how great words can be. Yeah. They ignore it. They walk through that flower garden, saying "fuck these flowers." Yeah, fuck them. And that in that garden is where I am. Def and I defend defending their wrong notions. Badly conceived notions. Oh, see, now I'm, I got lost. I'm confused. He's defending the bad notions. Maybe he's hating himself. I don't know. I'm sure some people will email us being like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this is what them. he's fucking saying. Yeah. I know. All of our emails are like, Jesus. No, he's saying, I got it. He's saying yeah. people think his notions are misbegotten because they're so out of fashion. The other people think it's misbegotten. Yeah. He doesn't think it's misbegotten. Right. It's gotten. Right. It's begotten. It's it's been got. <laughs> it's been got, and that's the show. Yes. Good night. Here's the interview. So yeah. So I think we're we've, we've cracked a Good. lot of this. Um, we're done. Okay. Wait. There's a few. There's a few smaller. I mean, we're not lines. the we're not dictionary.com, Jordan. <laughs> so you can do some of the work yourselves, people. Then the chorus repeats, and now there's these funny retorts or yeah. whatever backing up from the background, which we talked to Wilbur about. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a, a cool revelation about those. I won't spoil it. Uh, but 1,000 years old, so sure I'd say that's old, so old. 
so very old. 1,000 years old. Yeah, they're kind of doing what you do on the show. <laughs> Which is? You're backing me up. Yeah. You're, like, emphasizing what I say. Right. If I'm like, this song slaps, right. Dave's, like, so slaps. Yes. The hype man, like we said last time. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm talking in younger vernacular because the yeah. song is making me get anxiety about growing older. <laughs> I turn 40 in, like, a, a month, people. Congrats. Is that a congrats? No. It's a, the opposite of that. I'm just like, what do I want to do? Everything I thought think I could do for my 40th birthday, and I think this is on topic, is like you would so that. childish. It's yeah. like I want a cake, I want to get pizza. pizza? Yeah, of <laughs> it's course. just like, wait, shouldn't I be like, I gotta get a mortgage and yeah. go to the bank store? <laughs> <laughs> you should get some aged whiskey and two yeah. cubes and swirl it. I'll be, I'll start an alcohol yeah. habit. Uh, yeah. Get a fine cigar. A, a cigar. That's an old guy thing. Anyway. Uh, the final chorus, but what do I know? Before he says, what do you know? And that's actually interesting. He had a little bit of an arc of a growth. Maybe it's growth where he's like, maybe I still have more things to learn. Maybe I don't know everything. That's growth. Uh, but again, I'm so guessing with this song. I don't yeah. know if that's what the point is, but maybe I think switching from what do you know to what do I know is, is like very interesting. Yeah. And then the last line really uh, throws me, we'll be 1,000 years old. Yeah. So it's like, I thought he was talking to a younger person, but is he still? And he's like, You're, guess what? This is your future? That's what I really imagine it as. Or I, is, it, is it that he the whole time he's been talking to another right. elder, <laughs> elder god or whatever the hell yeah, he is? I don't know. It's very ambiguous and it's very interesting. It seems a bit of a threat. <laughs> yeah, you think it's a threat? Well, yeah. you think of everything's a threat. It's true. I, <laughs> um, I grew up in New York. That's yeah, it's true. If you take the subway when yeah. you're a teenager for years, you're yeah. going to think everything's a threat. You got to assess your surroundings. Everything's a threat. Excuse me, can I sit there? Ah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 an interesting song because it's it is funny, but it's it, like with a lot of the giants, like there's so many ideas. Yeah. And if even half of the reference points I talked about are there, that's like. Yeah. I mean, that's like a masterwork of... If even a tenth of what we're saying actually is true. <laughs> yeah. We should get a potty, a podcast award. Yeah. Great name. It's complex. It's a complex song. I mean, we we tried to ask Wilbur if he had any ideas about the <laughs> lyrics. And like most of our interview guests, like, you're just like, ah, nope. <laughs> it was know? a negative. <laughs> yeah. There was another interp on the wiki that I thought was kind of cute and interesting. Mm -hmm. Someone's like, it's from the point of view of a tree. And I was ah. like, and they specifically referenced Lord of the Rings, but putting yeah. that aside, because I'm not really into Lord of the Rings, <laughs> but like the idea that it's from a tree is like kind of a cool idea. And it sure. goes with the garden and the, well, his this person's point. I don't know who it is, but uh, they went with the flower and the garden Ooh. theme. But it's like, yeah, a tree would be have a voice like that. Right. Oh, are they saying like the, the Ents or whatever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what, they, that's what they said. That talk really slow. The extended version had extra scenes of the tree talking. That's what we don't need. It's very funny in the first time, but then there's like seven more. And I was like, oh, my God. I didn't think it was funny. <laughs> you took it personally. <laughs> yeah. It was a threat. My grandfather's a tree. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't know what we went through. And also the tree thing. The wheel be 1,000 years old. It's like a forest. It's like they're all yeah. singing this song. I, I like that interp just as an imagery thing. Like, I think it's a cool idea. I guess that's I, what it's about. Then. I don't think that's what it is, but I like it. Does you don't think trees could talk with big words? No, I think they'd be the, the main. Exactly. If they could. I choose to believe this interpretation now. So, wow, that was our 
that was me and Dave's attempt. That was our little old discussion. At, uh, <laughs> oh, do not forsake me. Don't turn the episode off because holy yeah. crap, we've got the singer of this song, Wilbur Polly, the the bass singer in Hudson Shad. Very fun interview. It made me so happy dying to get this out yeah. to you people. And I, I can't think of anything more appropriate for our 50th episode than this. Yes, just a celebration. It's a conversation celebration. Yeah. Enjoy our discussion with Wilbur Polly, and we'll see you after the show. Oh, my God. I'm it's, so excited. It's um, the man. It's the voice. The undeniable voice. Oh, do not. Uh, <laughs> I can't take it. First of all, thank you so much. This is yes. extremely exciting for me. No problem. Yeah. We can just start, you know, right off the bat. Like, what's the story behind Hudson Chad and how the, the group started and your role in, in that? Well, actually, Hudson Chad started as a backup quartet to Marianne Faithful and the Seven Deadly Sins. Whoa. At the, oh, Art, wow. at the Arts at St. Anne's in Brooklyn in 1989. It was a Hal Wilner uh, production. So Marianne Faithful did Kurt Viles' Seven Deadly Sins, and the producer, Susan Feldman, got me. I, I'd been singing with them for a number of years, classical music, and she said, well, why don't you put a quartet together to sing The, the Family? Because there's like a male quartet in that piece. And um, that was sort of the, the start to Hudson Shad. Wow. We, you know, got very good reviews, and uh, Susan thought she wanted to do a musical based on the life and times of the comedian harmonists, that German group that you that you checked out. Yeah, yeah. And so when that came down the pike, she asked me, well, geez, you want to put a, put a group together for that? And I said, well, sure. Basically, it was it was the same quartet plus another guy. Mm -hmm. So that's how Hudson Chad came about. How do you know the other members? Were you friends? Was this were they hired? Or We were all doing the same gigs together in New York, the mm -hmm. same early music gigs, the same weird modern music gigs, the same, you know, pull stuff, pull something out of the library and mimeograph it and go go off and, you know, mm -hmm. do a concert in a church or something like that. And uh, like me and the tenor wound up doing a you ever hear of the jazz passengers? Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> it was like this group um with Roy Nathanson, they were they were, um, you know, the Saturday Night Live band. This mm. is sort of a, a lot of the people, a lot of that. Those connections were sort of our connections too. Mm. Like Debbie Harry was on it, and uh, I mean, it was a whole downtown New York scene at mm -hmm. the time. Jeff Buckley came out of that whole scene, and um, I just, as a classical music singer. I kind of blundered into it, really. I mean, through my association with the Arts at St. Anne's, they used to do a Bach cantata uh, series, like three or four times a year they'd have a Bach cantata on the program. And uh, the guy who put that together was Fred Sherry, the cellist with the uh, Chamber Music Society Lincoln Center. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to tell you about one of the Bach cantatas. It's sure, very, sure. I mean, if you know Bach cantatas at all, you'll know that they're very Lutheran and very... And um, mm -hmm. so we're doing that in this church. 
And Susan had the idea to have it staged. And it was staged by a guy named Ralph Lee, who was one of the guys who started the whole Greenwich Village Halloween show. And he ran something called the Bread and Puppet Circus Company. Mm-hmm. Bread, and, bread, bread and Circus. I can't remember. Bread and Circus, Circus. And bread. Anyhow, puppet group. Yeah. <laughs> We're doing this very traditional Lutheran Bach cantata. And it's staged with all these giant puppets of rats going up and down the aisle. That was like the weirdest darn thing I've ever seen. Anyhow, that was the whole sort of like, that was what was going on in Brooklyn at the time. And this whole sort of the Seven Deadly Sins, Hudson Shad, we were sort of an outgrowth of that. And um, Mm -hmm. then we just started gigging around. The initial musical was called In the Time of the Comedian Harmonists in 91. And it wasn't really... It wasn't instantaneously successful, although the group got, we got good reviews and, you know, we started gigging around as the group. One of the first gigs we did was the Seven Deadly Sins at the New York Philharmonic in 1993 with Kurt Mazur. Yeah, it's definitely a high level. And it was a recording, too. Mm -hmm. So that was where we were doing that gig. And that was when I got the call from either Linnell or Flansburg. Mm -hmm. uh, Hey, uh, would you like to sing what they might be giants? And of course, I said, who? (laughs) I had no idea. Mm -hmm. Coming out of the classical music business. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I we didn't really, you know, we didn't exactly have our ear to the third rail of pop music, as it were. And, <laughs> uh, but that's how we got to know John and John. Wow. I, I wanted to just backtrack a bit just because mm. just talking to you now and hearing you, like, when's the first time you thought, like, my voice singing? When did that occur to you as like some like or was it just an instinct or? Like what your very first yeah. started music? Were you very young? Were you a kid? Or yeah. but then you wouldn't have had the voice if you. When were When did a kid. your voice become that voice? <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> I was always I always had a low voice for my age. Yeah. really. Even yeah, like even before my voice changed, it yeah. was still appreciably lower than everybody else's. You're like, give me some milk. <laughs> yeah, like. Uh... <laughs> I was singing Mitch Miller, like, uh, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Mitch Miller songs. Yeah. And I'd always gravitate toward, towards the thorough Ravenscroft part. You know, the guy who was Tony the Tiger. And, yeah. and he was like, the, yeah. he was the bass singer for a bunch of those famous choruses too. Like mm-hmm. the Norman Luboff choir and, and, you know, like singing backup and anything like, yeah. you know, so uh, at, like the temptations, my voice would gravitate towards Otis. I think his sure. name was Otis. The, the, and uh, mm-hmm. was just I played the tuba in high school. I was oh, a brass wow. player, and uh, you know, about halfway through high school, it was like, "Hey, why don't you try singing?" And I was like, oh, "Okay." It was actually quite easy because I already read music and I mm-hmm. already had a lot of instrumental background. And geez, I just kind of, you know, just uh, let's do that. And then I went to college for music, and I, I was going to be a music teacher, and I couldn't get a teaching job, so I I turned into feet. To moving to New yeah. York and becoming a, 
just started singing professionally. Those who those who can do right. What's the? <laughs> it's the opposite those of that phrase. Can, those who can't do teach. Yeah. Those who can't teach teach others how to teach. Yeah. Um, or those who can't teach do, and that's what you. you right. That's sort of your story. Yeah. So okay, wow, that makes sure. a lot of sense. Tuba to vocal actually is that, right. that's yep. a, that's a interesting. Yeah. One thousand years old. Sure, you think that's old. One thousand years old. But what do you know? In my darkest hour, I'm talking like this. For I am one thousand. Okay, so you you just get a call out of the blue from from John Linnell yep. about this song. Did you then go and research, listen to They Might Be Giants music, or did you just was did it not matter what what their stuff was like? Or it didn't really matter because mm-hmm. you know there was no sort of interweb back then, and you couldn't yeah. just sort of like. <laughs> Well, what they wanted was actually pretty straightforward. Actually, you know what? Come to think of it, I do remember uh, even back then. I think I Istanbul, Constantinople. <laughs> yeah. I think that was one of their well, that was one of their first things. But you know, I I was you know stuck in classical music, which is sort of a cul-de-sac, and it's really hard to mm. kind of let's broaden your horizons. Mm. But what they wanted, what they what they talked about uh, over the over the phone, it wasn't really that much different from like reconstructing an early music piece or something like mm-hmm. that. And, you know, just five voices, acapella. This is what, <laughs> this is what basically I did with the comedian harmonist mm-hmm. stuff with the comedian harmonist stuff. You couldn't go down to the music store and buy the stuff. I had to sit with recording and basically transcribe everything. Wow. You know, the, the hardest part was the piano part, but the vocal parts were actually pretty easy, but you know, you transcribe hmm. a few things like that, and it's a very in classical music, in church music, you're reading Palestrina, you're reading William Byrd, you're reading Just Can to Pray. You know what voices do and how it's supposed to, you know, hmm. how voice leading is supposed to work. Actually, I sort of te- technically learned that in college, but once you start doing a lot of it, it just sort of becomes, you know, second nature. Certainly, it's become second nature mm-hmm. to perform it, hmm. and. After I started writing it, I was like, "Well, yeah, okay, this is how this is how that works." And so when John said, "You know, if you could arrange something based on this tune," and he said, "For the second verse, we want a counter melody." Oh, some have. Woo! <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, I'll wait till the second verse to put that in," and and you can hear it. It's yeah. just right. Yeah. Basically, he gave me the melody. And that one little thing, the counter melody in the second verse, it really wasn't, I mean, it's in D, basically. It's in D, B minor, D major, and it's there's not really any place for it to get real, real tricky. Like, you can't sort of do, oh, I don't know, like, uh, you can't take six it. You know what I mean? It doesn't mm. do that. It sort mm. of, it's, it's doesn't. You know, it's not like a, a smooth jazz type thing. It's a very traditional tune. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> That's what I did. Oh, some have forgotten the flower of speech And walks through the garden where I go to defend Misbegotten notions 
while talking like this, for I am one thousand years old. How many takes did you guys do for Oh Do Not Forsake Me? It wasn't like one of those sessions where you walk out bloody at the end of it. I recall <laughs> that it was pretty pretty easy, no more yeah. than a couple of hours. I mean mm. I mean it's just one tune. So yeah. and it was all we were weren't like recording it on separate tracks or separate, you know, we just sort of recorded it like, you know, I think at one point I was in a I was on a separate mic, but we started out all together. And then I think just for grins and giggles, they may have had me in another room at one point mm-hmm. or in, in, in another behind like a shield or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't recall it lasting very long. Certainly no more than a couple of hours. It wow. was uh, it was pretty easy. I mean, as far as mm-hmm. I mean, I've been in some recording sessions that aren't easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's obviously a standout, not only on their album, but their whole, (laughs) everything they've ever done. Nothing sounds like it. And it's at a great place on the album. It's like right in the middle. Like it's this strange, it's like an intermission almost. Yeah, exactly. Flipping the record over. Yeah, it's like a centerpiece, really. I was wondering, did you have any insight into the lyrics or was that just not spoken about? (laughs) No, the only thing I did was sort of uh, like the backup lyrics. I, I, I did those myself. Yeah, because you know? there's there's call and response kind of. One thousand years old. Oh, sure, I'd say that's old, real old. Yeah. <laughs> One thousand years old. Sure, I'd say that's old. One thousand. like i kind of did that because oh, wow. a lot of the times i'll do that with the backup vocals because you know back i've been on so many backup vocal gigs where you're just singing ooh and ah or something like that you know yeah why not do words it's easier to memorize for one thing <laughs> if you're actually going to memorize it and if you aren't it's just more interesting than just going ooh and ah all the time mm-hmm. you know like misspeak mm, that like the like yeah the Coming out of the hum like that, I was like, <laughs> when the guy first did that, you know, I don't know if you guys have ever arranged stuff, but like hearing it for the first time, it's like, it works. You know, you have this uh-huh. sort of eureka moment where it's like, yeah, dang, it worked. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, yay me. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, but you know, if you're, if your material's strong, then you know then you're already working from an advantage and all all i have to do is kind of you know lay it down for the guys and not do anything complicated to get in the way of it you know mm-hmm. the part of the song that says real old yeah. it's kind of it's kind of a joke like it, it's actually a it hits like a joke yeah. in the song because you're kind of um blatantly like supporting the i guess what's the joke of the song which is that a, a guy who's a thousand years old would have like a, a, vo- voice. a voice like that right which seems to be the joke of the song but it's such it's such a strange uh the lyrics are strange but like as far as i can tell the concept <laughs> the concept seems to be like 
it's like a guy just kind of, I don't know if he's lamenting or obsessing mm -hmm. or what about how old he is. And that's why he's talking like this is because he's, he's had all these years of yeah. experience and it, but it's like almost torturous, but there's no, I guess what I mean is there's no story of this guy. The only story is I talk like this cause I'm so old. So it's like <laughs> a strange idea is what I mean. Well, I I think also is actually having it be. Oh, go ahead with what you were going to oh, say. Oh, I was just saying the the backup kind of um, reiterating real old it, or or not yeah. reiterating. It's like kind of um. I guess it's put. It's like putting a fine point on it. It's, right. It's it's saying yep. it's saying like, oh no, he's really old. Like you don't even <laughs> understand. Just really emphasizing it. Like that's a funny joke, and I could almost see them because they don't they don't really like when the stuff gets too funny, because they're like you know they kind of have they play between serious and funny and. I can almost see them being like, oh, that's too funny. Like, don't do that. But you, yeah. I guess like they must have liked that idea, right? Oh, we had a great time in this. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they knew who we were, you know? I yeah. mean, here we are, this kind of like, you know, square classical music dudes. But actually, you know, in real life, uh, <laughs> all the guys are party animals. At least they were back <laughs> then. It was like, you know, you, you're all sort of getting together and having a good time doing music. That's what John and John are about, too. And, you know, it's, mm -hmm. yeah, I can see why they don't, if they, if they could, I mean, their stuff is very wry already, mm -hmm. anyhow. I think it's, mm -hmm. you know, that Istanbul concert, that yeah. like sort of, that's very, or the, Mr., Mr., um, the guy who did the painting, Mr. James uh, Enzor. Meet James Enzor. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Very funny, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, even though it's sort of, it's serious in a way, but you know, when you think about it, it's actually, I mean, it's not a fall on the floor funny, but it's sort of like, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It, it's clever funny. And, uh, mm -hmm. and what we were doing, I thought kind of fit right in with their whole, their whole thing anyhow. And mm -hmm. <laughs> they invited us to open for them at Irving Plaza. <laughs> yeah. That was October 29th, 94. It was. Right? <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I've got, I don't have you opening, but I've got the, I've got their show, that audio where you perform, Oh, do not forsake me, which I think is yeah. the, the only time like, I wish that was more of a occasion that would happen a lot, you know, yeah. but I think that's the only time where you, you were on stage doing that song. It's now a pleasure to reintroduce to you direct from Manhattan to sing Oh Do Not Forsake Me. Members of Hudson Shad, give them a warm, every positive round of applause, ladies and Well, yes, that was the only. I actually did it with them once in Chicago as well. I oh. sort of like showed up at one of their gigs at uh, I can't remember where they played in Chicago, but I showed up one time. Uh, it's like, hey guys, how you doing? Hey, you want to come up and sing? <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay, great. I did it as a solo, you know, and they, I wow. think they had, maybe maybe they had organ underneath it or something like that. But yeah. you know, it was so funny because you know here we are 
doing um, doing our like a warm up act, like we're doing uh, Happy Days are here again. Happy Days are some of the comedian <laughs> harmonist stuff, and like five guys in tails with our harp with our harpsichordist pianist playing electric piano behind us, and I'm sure the audience at Irving Plaza is going. Who are these guys? <laughs> what on the wide world of sports is going on? And they said, well, for your last piece, you do, oh, do not forsake me. So we're like, okay, we've kind of wound it up and nice, polite applause. You know, I'm looking over a four-leaf clover. That was another one. We did. Mm, yeah. okay. Everybody knows that one. Um, so we started singing, oh, do not forsake me. And they're all like, yeah! The whole audience had heard it already. They started singing along with us, and that actually yeah. was sort of daunting because <laughs> it was our first time ever performing this piece in public. And and all of a sudden, the public is performing it with us, and we're like, okay, wow. I guess we're off the hook now. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I was wondering, because when I was watching some of your YouTube, the concerts that you got, did you ever consider doing that at your, just a, a Hudson Shad show, just because you know that it's all arranged and ready? Uh, I think we actually have. We actually wow. did it in Germany a couple of times, but, wow. you know, it didn't, the fans of people who would come to see our show wouldn't necessarily mm -hmm. be, uh, I mean, and they would applaud, you know, it was like singing a nice piece of choral music, but it mm -hmm. wasn't like, uh, wow, that was the best thing since sliced bread. It was like, <laughs> it was like, we did a cowboy show in Germany once, and uh, okay, you think, cowboy show, wow, geez, they're going to know everything. We did Tumbling Tumbleweeds, and <laughs> nobody in Germany had ever even heard the song Tumbling Tumbleweeds. <laughs> It went over like a lead balloon. We had to replace it because, you know, it's just nobody knew it, you know. Mm -hmm. Whereas on the other hand, they all knew, oh, the yellow rose of state. They all knew that huh. one. And, uh, Interesting. And they also, they also knew Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley, which was, they thought was kind of a cowboy song, too. Mm -hmm. And they'd always, like, you know, that one got a big applause. And, you know, geez, they're all, like, applauding for a song about a hanging. Oh, those wacky jerks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but anyhow so do not forsake me sort of wound up we tried it a couple times over mm. there and it wasn't like you know i mean yeah. i liked it but it was just didn't get the it was kind of uh and it's not easy to perform either you know it's like oh, it's, why, why is that uh, because it's uh all acapella mm. it's all uh there's there's nowhere to hide vocally. There's no piano uh -huh. to kind of sit back and you know, chunk you along. And there, it's not like an acapella piece that uh, that that you can kind of relax into, like uh, like when we sing Deo, for example. <laughs> Deo, Deo, you know, yeah. and you can sort of relax and go with that, and everybody knows it. And uh, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's a walking on eggs piece, and especially mm. since it's not very well known, except mm. to yeah. giant. Autos, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. To to me, it's this song that I've 
you know, known since uh, like, I think I became a fan in like 95, 96. Uh-huh. So, and I was like 14, you know, <laughs> and now I'm like almost 40. And it's like, that's, uh-huh. I've been, this song for me and your voice and everything has yeah. been this <laughs> really big thing. You know, it's just a thing I grew up with and like loved and, yeah. You know, it's been on our heads for yeah, 20, me, 25 years. Me and my friends singing that song, trying to do the harmonies, all that. You know, I you know, I used to like obsess over harmonies and things like that. Uh-huh. Um so it's it's like to a fan, it's like a huge deal. Right. That's why I think people are gonna be really excited to hear this this episode uh-huh. when it comes out. Um, I, I got excited when I heard your voice in yeah. two seconds. I mean, it's just so distinct. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, they, they, you know, at the, at the choir college, they say, yeah, where singers are Singers have resonance where they should have brains. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> did you ever hear the demo version uh, that John Flansburg? Yeah, sings how did you the hear the song? I, I think I did, and it was just okay. him. And uh, I'm not sure there was harmony. I, I, mm-hmm. It might have been. There might have been, or might have been just. Uh, it might have been just him singing solo. Yeah, yeah. And I do recall hearing a demo. I don't recall it being fleshed out in any way. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, and it was like, sparse. I don't really remember. There must have been some sort of underlying harmonies, maybe just rolled chords or something like that, mm-hmm. or a, yeah. a synthesizer. Synth, but yeah. uh, honest, I mean, I do remember that the first part uh, was a cappella, um, just one verse, the way ours is. And then when the voices came in, I can't remember whether there was harmony or not. Um, must have been i wouldn't have come up with that on my own you know <laughs> i well i wanted to ask because the one of the demos that fans have that they've put out of that song is john flansburg is doing like a nixon impression <laughs> was that on your was is that what you heard <laughs> or did you maybe he did a more normal one for your benefit but there there's a demo where he's doing a, he's going oh do not <laughs> for oh, yeah, sl- right. yeah i heard that one yeah <laughs> i didn't know it was nixon impression as uh I thought that was just him trying to lower his voice. No, um, it, yeah, it's but, definitely a Nixon because he's he's obsessed, he's with, obsessed Nixon. with Nixon. <laughs> do not call me a crook. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do not forsake me, my indolent friend. Oh, do not forsake me, though you know I must spend all my darkest hours talking like this for i am one thousand years old one thousand years old sure you so no, that made me wonder if the song was about like if he was in the mind of Nixon or you know what I mean. Like yeah. I didn't know if that if that um, served the lyrics at all or, <laughs> or not, or if it was just an absurdism. That takes back to high school, man. It's like we used to dick Nixon before he dicks you. <laughs> <laughs> I've never uh, heard that. <laughs> well, that's, uh, <laughs> I got. I have a new shirt. I need. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. So post John Henry, so the album comes out. Is there any? I don't know any fanfare on your end. <laughs> any of uh, like? Did you did you hear the whole album? Did you have any thoughts on on the whole release as a whole? You know, you you yourself in the context of that, or I think we were pretty. We were like uh, 
real busy at the time. And, um, mm. and uh, I mean, cause that was like when we were just starting to take off and like seven deadly sins thing turned into a whole sort of cottage industry on its own. Like, mm-hmm. like we went from the New York Philharmonic and a famous conductor by the name of Charles Dutrois was actually at the Philharmonic performances. And so he invites us, well, why don't you come up to Montreal symphony and we can do it there. And then we can do the Saratoga, you know, and it just went one, one after another after another after another and all of a sudden we're like you know geez doing the seven deadly sins everywhere mm-hmm. and then somebody got a, ho- a hold of a tape of us doing our regular hudson chad stuff and this producer in germany in 1995 invites us over to do basically the cabaret circuit over there mm-hmm. and i wouldn't say it was a considerable amount of money but it was definitely decent money for what we were certainly for what we were used to do. And all of a sudden we had basically eight months, eight weeks of gainful employment in the summer, mm. touring around Germany, coming home with a nice chunk of change. And, and you could under declare everything you made, you made over there. <laughs> you know, they call it working, um, Schwartz. They like, uh, you're working under the table. And, mm. um, <laughs> so actually we did quite well for a period of about 10 years over in Germany. We, you know, it's funny if we didn't all have separate classical music careers at the time we could have moved to germany and we would still be there right now of Mm -hmm. course then i wouldn't have you know i wouldn't be living here in kalamazoo with my family (laughs) lots of other things wouldn't have happened uh, yeah hey that's life that's the way it worked out but as far as the when the album came out we're like hey geez it came out you know (laughs) here's where it is and you know but we didn't sort of like we weren't dining out on the residuals or anything like that it was uh, (laughs) i mean it's not a disney movie or something like that Mm -hmm. where you know you're geez you're getting paid for 30 years afterwards it Mm -hmm. was it was a nice feature and john and john and uh you know it's and it's still sort of something that uh, you know, I I dine out on not really dine out on, but be, yeah. people search me out occasionally to to talk about it, and it's fun right. because it's like reviewing something you did in the past that was that was it was a it was a nice gig, and it's not often. I I think that was the first time I ever arranged something like uh, yeah, you know, well, and I was like, geez, that wasn't bad, you know, and it was very, but I mean that kind of that kind of stamped me number one as an arranger i wound up doing an arrangement for a cabaret artist after that named nancy lamont sort of like it got me it got me working on my chops and now mm-hmm. you know after what three or four hundred arrangements later for hudson shad if you, you know i could drop an arrangement in my sleep oh, and actually i could probably you know I, I actually have been thinking about i mean it's funny because when you reach i still have a 12 year old at home and an 18 year old at home wow. i mean my main my main gig at well on a 21 year old so for the last 21 year 21 years my main gig has been dad mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, and everything else is kind of that kind of puts things in perspective, you know. Um, everything else is kind of gravy after that. And there are years where, you know, I've been quite contented to not work very much because I'm watching my kids grow up. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there are other times when it's like, okay, the kids uh, could use some work right now. You know, <laughs> <laughs> is anybody ever going to remember me? <laughs> Did you ever? make a studio recording of your material? Because as far as I can tell, Oh, Do Not Forsake Me is like the most pristine recording of you guys that exists, unless there's something I I wasn't able to find. No, there was a bunch of self-recorded stuff, like five or six self-recorded stuff that we basically, we didn't even barcode it. We didn't even (laughs) send it into, you know, Mm -hmm. we basically recorded it to sell at concerts in Germany. Mm -hmm. And we would like, we pack it up in cases labeled like, you know, electrical equipment and sort of ship it <laughs> over there undercover. Uh-huh. And, and we, we made a killing over there on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never sort of, what's the thing you call the, uh, the royalty thing. We never sort of, I mean, it was all small rights. Anyhow, we were, we yeah. never sort of did original stuff. We were basically doing, mm. you know, I'm looking over a four leaf clover. You actually have to call up and get rights for that. Probably you do, but <laughs> you know, but we didn't. Mm-hmm. So there are five or six, you know, albums that we put together in New York with a guy named Randy Hansen who runs something named Audible Difference. It's a studio, and uh, and I'm I'm not sure he's even still doing it now. But uh, mm-hmm. but I think that they came out pretty well for for kind of basically mom and pop recordings. But he is a is an experienced sound engineer. He had all the bells and whistles, Pro Tools, this, hmm. that, and the other thing. And uh, it's just, you know, a comedian harmonist acapella tribute group doesn't exactly sell like hotcakes. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. What did sell, and what we still do, is um, Kurt Viles' The Seven Deadly Sins. Mm. And we made a recording with the New York Philharmonic back in 94. That was our first one. Then we recorded it with uh, Marianne Faithful in 97 at the Salzburg Festival. And that was sort of a, uh, in, well, it was partly in the Salzburg Festival and partly it was in the uh, uh, the Vienna uh, Festival Week. And so, and that's kind of a semi-live recording. That gets a fair amount of play because of Marianne. Mm. And we just made our third recording of it with a gal named Storm Large, and Storm Large, at the, uh, she was just on America's Got Talent, I think, oh, not, okay. far, wow. not long ago. And she is, uh, she's actually an old rocker, and she's, sort, she's turned into sort of a cabaret singer, and it hasn't been released yet because of COVID, but we're hoping that's like on some kind of a Grammy track after it does get released, because... Uh, the guy who uh, produced it is a guy named Blanton Alspaugh, and anything he touches turns to classical Grammy gold. And uh-huh. uh, so, yeah. like, if you Google Blanton Alspaugh, you'll be like, dang, that's a lot of Grammys. And you know, <laughs> it's, uh, I don't care how I get a Grammy. It's, uh, <laughs> um, but it's funny because that one's still in the can, and we're waiting for it to be released. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've had a hiatus here recently as well because of COVID. Mm. But it looks like, Hudson Shad it will be back performing again, The Seven Deadly Sins, here coming up in June with the Princeton Symphony in Princeton okay. with Storm Large. And uh, so that's going to be like our Rip fans, Hudson Shad. We're going to wake up from our COVID slumber and, <laughs> <Right>. you know, <laughs> all going to bunch of old men taking the stage again. <laughs> that's great. I'm, I'm really glad yeah. to hear that, actually. I guess I was curious, do you, 
uh, did you afterwards then become familiar with They Might Be Giants? Or it sounds like you guys got really busy around that time. So I, I don't know if, or if you listen to stuff on the, when you're traveling or whatever, but did you become at all familiar with their material afterwards or with that, that album as a whole? Like if you, I, I became familiar with the album. I actually mm-hmm. played it. Their mm-hmm. stuff before that, I think I may have listened to something that they did before I, we actually went out to the studio. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, just out of respect because you don't want yeah. to show up and, but the other guys, you know, it's funny in the gig scene, especially like in the classical music scene, you're rolling from one rehearsal to another, sure. from one gig to another, and barely enough time to like read the notes on the page and then get to the next gig. And it's like, what are we singing today? It's like, it's, we were very, very busy. And, <laughs> you know, like even some of the church jobs we had, uh, you know, you come in and you're, and you're singing hard music that you've never yeah. seen before. And okay, that was fun. Next. And then, you know, another rehearsal with something completely different. So Mm -hmm. you sort of like, you know, you're on tilt over a lot of of time, like sensory overload. And uh, Mm -hmm. so the chance to actually absorb material, it actually really didn't start until just after um, They Might Be Giants came along. And we really started because we we started to do a lot of it. We started to absorb, like, not only the Seven Deadly Sins, but also the comedian harmonist material. We started doing it over and over and over and over again. You know, you're talking 60 to 100 shows of the same music. And it's like, okay, then you start to see, you know, how things are put. You have the luxury of really getting to know your material Mm. instead of just picking it up and doing it and then Mm -hmm. dropping it. It's like somebody who's an opera singer who kind of does like the Barber of Seville a lot. And there are lots of singers who sort of specialize in that particular genre of music. You know, I I honestly like being busy doing a lot of different types of music. Mm -hmm. And I find that I I think that I would get, well, I know that I would get bored doing one certain thing, Mm -hmm. but you know what? They get paid very well doing that one certain thing. It's like doing like six years of Phantom of the Opera. If you're yeah. out on tour doing that, mm-hmm. <laughs> that would drive me nuts. You know, uh, doing six years of anything like that would, you know, <laughs> that's why you go into music is to not be at a desk job. You know, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Of course, it does pay the bills. You know? <laughs> I'm wondering with such a distinct voice, are you doing a lot of voiceover work ever? Commercials, cartoons, anything yeah. like that? I mean, you should be in cartoons. I, I really <laughs> wish that I had done that more, like as I was coming up. There really wasn't time to do much other than yeah, classical. Yeah. I did blunder into the Disney biz, and um, and I have done a lot of Disney over the years. Um, I wouldn't say tons and tons, but. But enough to get a very nice pension, thank you very much, which <laughs> okay. activated. And uh, <laughs> I've been on Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Pocahontas, Hunchback, uh, Mulan, uh, wow. Rapunzel. Wait, that was called Tangled. 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 That's what it was called. So, are, are you? Ta- are you? Um, is it a musical thing, or are you a character? It's, or what? A, it's a musical thing, uh, primarily. Okay. I'm in the chorus, but you know, I had step outs and stuff like that. The original Beauty and the Beast. You know, in a wrestling match, nobody fights like us. That's me. It's like, <laughs> oh you know, my god, wow, cool. I had the that was like he refers <laughs> to his his friends Tom, Dick, and Stanley. I was the original Stanley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wrestling match, nobody fights like a stone. For there's no one as burly and brawny 
if you go to the Gaston song, you'll actually hear me singing that solo. And then at the very end, you know, when Maurice comes in, Maurice, oh, there's a big beast outside. Oh, he said he's huge. <laughs> with long, sharp bangs, yes. With a long, ugly snout. That's me, too. And, wow. uh, so. <laughs> I got to go back now. Whoa, slow down, Maurice. Who's got Bell locked in a dungeon? A beast! A horrible, monstrous beast! <laughs> Is it a big beast, you? With a long, ugly snout. Hideously ugly. And sharp, cruel fangs? Yes, yes. I put all that up on Shadrach Hyde on my YouTube channel because, uh -huh. you know, I still, like in Chicago, I, I have a, uh, I have like an agent who sends me out to do TV stuff and commercials and mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. Not that I've hit anything big, but, you know, all it takes is one thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, and you never and you never know. I mean, when we were doing Beauty and the Beast, we're like, hey, you want to be in a cartoon? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? You know, and uh, lots of people were like, I don't want to be in a cartoon. You yeah. know, little did they know that it was going to be Beauty and the Beast, and you're still getting paid for it thirty years later. Yeah. It's like, you know, friends of mine are still kicking themselves. They didn't say yes to that thing. Oh, you know, well, we wow. have, we got to join. Actors Guild to do it too. Geez, that's eight hundred bucks. I'm not going to pay eight hundred uh -huh. bucks for a cartoon, and oh you know, God. and mm -hmm. what a cartoon, you know. And that yeah. sort of started <laughs> the whole. I mean, okay, uh, what was the one before? Little Princess, Little Mermaid. Little that's Mermaid. the one that really. That's the one that kind of started it. The return, yeah. Beauty and the Beast redlined it, man. It like, yeah. it, you know, that was like the that revived Disney. Yeah, the pedal yeah. to the metal, yeah. So I'm still I'm still riding that wave. Thank you very much. All I've ever wanted was to be any voice in a cartoon. Yeah, <laughs> talks about that all the time. One day. Well, <laughs> hey, oh yeah, the my one solo um, mm -hmm. screen credit as a cartoon is the singing voice of the troll in Enchanted, where they're chasing, uh, you know, where the cartoon, like, it's part cartoon, and then it goes to New York City? Yeah. Well, it's the cartoon part, the, the the lead guy is chasing trolls around down there, <laughs> and he's like, I've been dreaming of a true love's kiss, <laughs> and I'm the troll. True love's kiss. I, wow. <laughs> I sing uh, that I twice, it. and that's a, it's like it's a very, 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 very last credit of the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> there I am. Yeah. That's what I want. I want to be last credit of something. <laughs> oh, you shall not prevail, foul troll. That maiden is mine. So now we have some questions for your cat. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, cat. <laughs> Why are you? Why are you such a nudge? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of voiceover work, cat? What's the cat's name? I have to know. That cat's name is Boo, and it's funny because whenever, like, whenever the phone rings, yeah. um, he comes over. Like, it, whenever like voicemail comes on, he's like, Boom, "It's time to jump on Dad." And it's, you know, yeah. So any sort of electrical thing that is happening with voices, he's like, he's definitely tuned <laughs> into. I just have to. I selfishly want to know. What, so the other Disney cartoons. So you did Beauty and the Beast, and then what was the around there? The the next ones you did. Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Who are you in Pocahontas. Aladdin? Because I'm pretty. I was just just in the chorus. Oh, in the chorus. Okay. 
Yeah, I almost had the Powhatan solo in, in Pocahontas. I was it was down to me and a guy named uh, a very famous voiceover person named Jim Cummings. And, uh, it's like, oh, I know Jim. Cum- yeah, 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 I know his the voice stuff. of Winnie the Pooh. I was like, okay, Wilbur, thank you. Right? Uh, bring Jim yeah. in. I was like, Jim Cummings. I'm up, this, you know, up <laughs> yeah. for something with Jim. Of course, he got it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like old Winnie the Pooh guy. Yeah. Oh, he's also um, in The Lion King. He was Ed. <laughs> that's Jim Cummings. Yeah, <laughs> but let's see, Pocahontas, Hunchback, Mulan. These are like all my fiance's favorite movies, so I'm trying to find out for her. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast, Christmas. Uh, there's like a uh, went direct to direct TV. To video, or, yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot uh, of those. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple others too, like um, Beauty and the Beast Five. <laughs> Revenge of the Beast. The Prince of Egypt wasn't Disney, but it was. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. it was what's his name? It was um, it was Stephen Schwartz. So you uh-huh. know, we got roped into that one too. And uh, wow, wow, this that's amazing. Um, I feel like we're about wrapped up, it. right? Unless you have anything yeah. else you want to talk about. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm good. It, uh, <laughs> it's just been sort of like reliving my life, and you know, but <laughs> you know, and a lot of stuff that happened in New York. It's very funny because I. I mean, I don't get back to New York much. My brother still lives there. I'd love to get back more often than I do. But mm-hmm. uh, honestly, I, I lived in Chicago now for a number of years. But we've basically fled to Kalamazoo after once COVID hit because the mm-hmm. time was right to buy something. It was like, like my in-laws are here. My wife grew up here. And it was like, you know, I was living ever since I graduated from college in an apartment in New York or an apartment in yeah. Chicago. Right. I finally got a house, a house great. with a yard. I was like, yeah, Damn, this is <laughs> like, you know, I'm hitting it, the sweet spot, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my social security. I got a house with a yard. It's like everything's paying off at the same time. And it's like, mm-hmm. Oh, it's nice not to have to, I mean, I'm not talking huge amounts of money or anything like that, <laughs> but it's nice to have a little cushion sure. that, Number one is provided by FDR. Thank you, FDR. Number two, that's provided by, you know, people that you were lucky enough to work with at one point that, geez, I get a pension? You know, I had no idea. And uh, I get residuals? I had no idea, Mm. you know, because when you start working for these people, you don't know what the gig is like. You know, oh, I'm getting a doing a recording session. Oh, I got a payday. And they're all I say, yeah, wait till the residuals. And you're like, yeah, right. What are residuals? They're going to (laughs) say. Two or three dollars or something like that. Yeah, and, uh, that ain't that ain't what it was with Disney. <laughs> <laughs> nice, oh. like, great, you know, awesome. Well, it's like what's that song that uh, Will Smith says about uh, about Men in Black? Or like he said, my last residual, I had to bring it on a on a on a dump truck or something like that. But <laughs> oh, that was. Uh, I, I can't remember what's that song. Anyhow, it was a yeah. very, it was very clever. Yeah, yeah. My last day for Men in Black came in on a maybe it was from. Wild Wild West. Might have been from Wild Wild West. Makes sense. Yeah. That's like me with this show. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're we're just rolling. Raking it it in. Yeah. You know what? I should should tell you that there's another song that I actually was involved with a Grammy award-winning song, a tribute to Pete Seeger. It was Pete's last uh, album, and it was called Pete. And uh, the song was called To My Old Brown Earth. I got it up on my Shadrach Hyde thing. But it's very kind of, it's very similar, actually, to Not For Sake. It's actually strikingly similar because Pete was real old when he did it. He was like almost 80 years old. It's just him and his banjo singing the first verse. And then they do this choral arrangement afterwards. Uh It's like, it's 
It's I'm going to listen to that again too. <laughs> it's called "To My Old Brown Earth" from the album Pete by Pete Seeger, okay. and uh, and it's like it's very you know one of those sonic kind of you put the headphones on and you like uh, relax into the harmonies and it's like a nice warm bath. It's, uh, huh. Yeah, I'm going to go do it right now. In okay. fact, <laughs> for now I'm yours, and you are also. Mine. Well, thank you yes. so much. This was amazing. Thank you so this much. This is like the highlight of so my, fun. my year so far. You know, it was an honor to be associated with John and John for our one little song that we ever did together. And, uh, and you know, at least it was one. It could have been none. And then we right. we'll be talking about nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's one of my favorite songs. You know, it's that's my favorite album. It's and, our favorite album. And like yeah. that. that um, Out of 20 albums. So <laughs> that song always blows my mind because yeah. i'm really into harmonies and all that you know i'm always yeah. i always give it like a deep listen whenever it comes on i give it like a real deep listen because it's you know it, there's just something something about it it's beautifully yeah. produced too i'm gonna have to give it a deep listen later yeah, yeah. on yeah <laughs> all right well thank you so yes, much thank you very much thank, i really great. appreciate it this was just so all much right, Dave. so much fun all right <laughs> <laughs> happy all right. trails okay? yeah take care okay, bye all right bye <laughs> oh, well, we were just laughing off mic. Yeah. Did you guys like that interview? Did you email us? Don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. Twitter at don't let's pod. I don't say this enough. If you like the episode, why not do a tweet to your, to people who follow you say, yeah. Hey, I enjoyed this. Tell your friends word of mouth that, because you know, we don't have, we don't do ads people. I know Dave wants to do ads. Yeah, I really do. <laughs> but we don't do ads. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. And we, we, were, we just rely on people who like... Casper mattresses. You know, at Comic-Con, someone walked by in a yeah. Flood t-shirt. Sure. And I waved him over like a crazy person as if there was like a medical emergency. And I told him about the show. He'd never yeah. heard of it. And he's the like, I'll, he's like, I'll check it out. But it made me really think like there's so many They Might Be Giants fans that yeah. I, I really think would enjoy this, this content, if I could call it that. So please tell if you know someone who likes They Might Be Giants, tell please, them. that would be the best thing. Here's to 50. No, let me do Here's that Here's to 50 more years. Let me do that again. <laughs> I want to say thanks, everybody, for listening for 50 episodes. 50. 50 godforsaken, God ever-loving episodes. Yeah. And here's two, two more. <laughs> That's all about what I have in me. Yes. Yeah, I think we've got two more. Thank you, people. Been diagnosed with two, uh, two more. <laughs> okay. Anyway, thank you, Wilbur Polly. Yes. You're and amazing. To the great Wilbur Polly. I'll post on Twitter. His YouTube channel has a lot of fun stuff. All right. And thank you, Dave. And thank you, Dave, Jordan. And all the hard work you do. Oh, well. 
It's look not like I ever flustered. It's not like I ever talk about how much hard yeah. work I do. <laughs> I make it look easy. At the you do. Yeah. What's um, the opposite of that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> crushing effort. Yeah. <laughs> Life destroying. effort. You make it look harder than it is. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But uh, Dave. Yeah. I'm, I'm you, here. You do look like you have something to to state. But what do you know? Not much. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye.